You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, it's Bilal Vakani at Bilal V87 on Twitter, and I'm here with your SmackDown review. And SmackDown without Eric Bischoff is pretty awesome. Although my DVR decided all of a sudden not to tape it, so clearly Eric was the reason my DVR was taping SmackDown up until now, because now it doesn't work. But I fixed that. We opened up with a match that would sort of work into the main event. The number one pick for SmackDown, Roman Reigns, was taking on the number two championship, probably number three on the brand, as he took on Shinsuke Nakamura with Sami Zayn, who was on commentary. Sami would come in and out of the commentary desk, interfering several times. And I noticed right away, the camera seemed to be a little bit close but I think this was a technical issue. I don't think this was much of a stylistic change. Uh, but something to keep an eye on on SmackDown as well. To see if Bruce, Bruce Pitt, Pritchard, who's now taken over for Paul Heyman. Although, it turns out Paul Heyman was not doing a lot. He was missing meetings. And he was spending most of his time in catering, according to reports. But maybe Pritchard will uh, do things to differentiate himself now that the spotlight is on him. Anyways, Sammy getting involved wasn't enough. So Baron Corbin came out and caused a DQ... Michael Cole, of course, ruined any surprise because before this match even started, as Roman was entering, he mentioned, or maybe it was during Shin's entrance, who knows, he mentioned <coughs> that Corbin had been on Twitter. He was upset at how The Rock had embarrassed him on the first episode of SmackDown, so he's probably going to take it out on Roman eventually. Daniel Bryan came out to make the save. Sammy uh, was stopped, stopped Daniel, sort of by grabbing onto his leg, and Shin hit the, Shinsuke Nakamura hit the running knee. And that was it. Later on, uh, Corbin was asked about it in an interview, and he just sort of adjusted his crown, and that was that. We later found out that King Corbin and the king of strong strong style, Shinsuke Nakamura, would take on Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns. The eco-shield, as I'm going to call them. We heard from Daniel Bryan backstage, who I stole that king joke from, but he cut, as of course, a very good uh, promo here. During Roman Reigns' entrance, he was declared the captain of Team Hogan. I'll get into that in a second. That's a whole other story. We got into this match. Obviously a terrific match. Roman speared Corbin through the wall already. So this rivalry is going to be uh, full tilt. And Daniel Bryan went back and forth with Shinsuke Nakamura in a terrific display. Sami Zayn tried to help. He couldn't. And in what I can only describe as a knee-off, Daniel Bryan hit the flying knee after Shinsuke Nakamura missed his knee attack, and he got the win. Now, I sort of thought with Roman replacing Seth because Seth is facing the Fiend at Crown Jewel, wow, would this have been cool if the Fiend had showed up at the end of SmackDown to take on Roman or even Daniel Bryan or both, and that did not happen. Now, the next storyline kind of ties into into this, so I'm going to tell you about probably the least important match, which had some important implications. Shorty Chad Gable defeated Curtis Axel, who was with Bo Dallas, because the B-team are in a serious tag team, as we found out later. There was... I'd call it a highlight pack, but really it was a low-light pack about the genesis of Shorty Gable. So, you know, a highlight of all the short jokes, in case you wanted to hear them again, which I don't think any of us did, but okay. Post-match, Gable was interviewed in the ring. And he really gave, uh, I hate to agree with Michael Cole's description, a very inspiring speech about accepting yourself for who you are and embracing your differences. 
And in fact, he wanted to shorten his name from Shorty Gable to Shorty G. Which kind of works. You know, give Gable massive credit for doubling down. We then had uh, a little recap that, of course, as, as I found out on social media and I tweeted about, so you should always follow me at BilalB87 on Twitter, Team Hogan was down to Ricochet and Rusev because Rollins, and I guess Hogan only takes people with R's in their names, uh, Rollins had dropped out as captain because he has to face the Fiend at Crown Jewel because, obviously, WWE is not happy with how you and I have reacted to that, so they've made a change, uh, a change that has irreparably affected this. They also reminded us that Team Flair consisted of Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, and I forget the fourth guy, but I don't care. Hulk Hogan then joined Michael Cole and Corey Graves via Skype, which kind of worked, and informed us he's adding Shorty G and Ali G. No, I'm just kidding, Ali. And that he would name a captain before the show was over. That turned out to be Roman Reigns. We also got a highlight package from Ali, which was pretty good. Uh, clearly, Ali talking about being an agent of change. Clearly from the Chicago area, I'd imagine, inspired by Barack Obama. And also talked about him being an underdog. Very good stuff. Uh, I don't know how much more of this we need. I think Ali just needs to fight now. But very good stuff. Really, the, the co-main event narrative was the women's uh, title situation. You could argue this was the biggest part of the show. The Miz uh, hosted Miz TV, as he often does, with Bailey and Sasha and Bailey's new entrance music and entrance, which was pretty good. Sasha pointed out that Bailey was the first Grand Slam champion, which was a good point. We sort of had The Miz throwing through the Twitter reaction to Bailey's stuff last year, or last show, excuse me. And I literally wrote everyone was great here. Sasha had a little comment. The Miz was very adversarial. Bailey was very good. She said she outgrew her fans. Life sucks and then you die. That's a direct quote from Bailey. The very dark Bailey. At that point, Nikki Cross's music came out. She had some new gear. No Alexa Bliss, although, you know, Alexa could be doing something else. Hopefully it's not a big deal. Nikki had heard enough and she wanted to play, although I don't think she said that, which is an improvement. Dana Brooke came out, sort of talked, you know, about being overlooked, which we've heard before. But then she continued talking about her flex appeal and... Her delivery overall was much better than I've ever heard it. And this was a much better promo than that Ronda Rousey. Uh, I would only describe it as a stream of consciousness about being overlooked. This was much more polished. Uh, Dana changed her look a little bit. She was sort of pounding her chest in and about that area. Good. Lacey Evans came out. She didn't really talk, which uh, was a problem because after she helped Natalia go against uh, the tag team champions on Raw... I don't know if she's a face or a heel. This match didn't really answer my question. And we went to commercial break. So we knew Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose and Carmella had no chance in this match because they don't even talk. They don't care. Or WWE doesn't care to give them 10 seconds of mic time. So we got into the match. It was Carmella, Nikki Cross, again, no Alexa Bliss, Dana Brooke, Sonya Deville, Lacey Evans, and Mandy Rose. The winner got a shot at Bailey. Obviously, it might be on some random episode of SmackDown, or it might be after Crown Jewel, probably before Crown Jewel, um, or in, b between Crown Jewel and the next pay-per-view. Because it's a long time to go without a title match. 
Moving on. So the match happens. Fire and Desire work together. That's a pretty good narrative. There's some great spots by Dana Brooke. She did a cartwheel. Reverse elbow into Fire and Desire. She kind of botched it, but the camera angle was such that you were really seeing it from their perspective of uh, Mandy and Sonya, so it wasn't so bad. Nikki Cross had a crossbody off the top rope. Carmella did one off the barrier, which was quite good. Lacey Evans had some good spots, too, to be honest. Didn't really seem to botch anything, so credit to Lacey, because they've been very hard on her. I've called her the bust of the draft. Although, you know, this kind of points to that as well. Nikki got the win, and she will face Bailey at some point. I hope Alexa's part of this as her manager, and I'm quite happy about this win. The New Day were backstage when, when they were joined by Tucker to talk about TV Tonight uh, ahead of Crown Jewel when they would be part of the largest tag team turmoil match ever. And to Tucker's credit, he brought up Kofi losing. Kofi was just saying, hey, you know, it's all about positivity, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to say Brock Lesnar. Fair enough. Then Otis came in and he was making pancakes. He had batter and he put way, way, way too much protein powder in it and then threw it on his face and could have killed himself. But this was hilarious. We then got an eight-man tag where these four men took on Ziggler, Rude, and The Revival. So to my surprise... The New Day got the pin on the Revival. I actually thought Heavy Machinery might do that or might pin Rhodes and Ziggler. But it seems like we're going down that road again in the New Day and the Revival. Which, you know, is a pretty good road as it goes. Finally, and I, I like this, but I just don't think this adds much to the narrative in terms of everything else we talked about. Braun Strowman took on Drew Gulak. We saw some video packages and some baloney. Uh, Braun was part of a sponsored video and we got the highlight package of him and Tyson Fury. So Braun was going to take on Drew Gulak, which seemed like a terrible choice at first. But Drew got on the mic, and Drew on the mic made a great point. In fact, he made a PowerPoint presentation where he wanted to help Braun Strowman defeat Tyson Fury. And during slide one, as Strowman and Drew Gulak looked on, Strowman attacked him and pinned him. But, you know, so happy the... PowerPoint presentations are back, and Drew Gulak is on SmackDown. And I have to say, this is a great show. There is no low light. Production was excellent. Commentary was great. There was a line where Corey Graves joked about Carmella and Mandy being in the ring by himself. And I don't know if Cole said, oh, this must be your dream. and Or maybe just Corey brought it up. Terrific. This was a great show. I think WWE understands that next week they're not going to be on Fox because of the World Series, so they're being pushed off on FS1. So clearly, they got their house in order. Excellent, excellent episode of SmackDown. You have this King Corbin-Roman Reigns feud that ties perfectly into what The Rock did to Corbin, and that's part of the Hogan-Ric Flair narrative. And now Daniel Bryan is emerging in a fascinating feud with Shinsuke, and I cannot wait to hear Brian and Sammy go at it on the mic. Shorty Gable is now Shorty G. He'll be part of the teams uh, at Crown Jewel, part of Team Hogan, as Team Flair is pretty much filled up. And Ali will be part of that team as well. We got a video package from him. And Bailey really, really, really looks great as a heel. She will be a powerhouse in his division, and I can't wait to see her face Nikki. So it was a great show, and I'm all done.
Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 